Welcome to the Super Expander Podcast. My name is Corrine Phelps, your host. I'm a business and growth coach, money mindset expert, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. My journey has taken me all over from working in finance to owning a boutique fitness studio. I found myself burnt out, miserable, and questioning everything. Saying things to myself like, there's got to be more to life than this. Refusing to settle for a mediocre existence, I went all in, learning how to harness untapped potential and rewire the subconscious mind to create an extraordinary life. The last 10 years have been a crash course in self-love, building a business, creating community, building wealth, and doing what it takes to just freaking go for it. My mission is to help you align to your purpose, Rewire your subconscious to support your big dreams and vision and create a life that you're absolutely obsessed with. So sit back, tune in, and prepare to expand. Today's guest holds such a special place in my heart. He is truly one of my first business mentors, and that relationship has grown and blossomed into a a friendship, a He continues to inspire me, teach me, and really call me up in so many ways, which is why I'm so excited to share him with you. James Patrick is an award-winning photographer, best-selling author, entrepreneur coach, podcast host, and public speaker based in Phoenix, Arizona. He's the founder of Fitposium, an annual conference guiding fitness entrepreneurs to grow their career. James has received a bevy of awards for his work as a photographer, marketer, and entrepreneur. Leveraging his diverse experience, James has presented on stage coast to coast in the United States and has been interviewed for numerous TV, radio, magazine, newspapers, and podcasts. James is on a mission to create art and opportunity for others. So many of those fitness magazines that you see in hanging on the shelves inside of the grocery store in the bookstore, James has created those cover photos. He is such a talented photographer. And I have to tell you for being someone who has created so many amazing things, done such big things. He is such a humble human being. Hello. Hello. Super expanders. How are you? You guys are in for such a treat today. Let me introduce you to James Patrick. Hey, Corey, how are you? I am so, so good and so excited to have like a little bit of a, like a role reversal here. Uh, mm, that's right. <laughs> not the leader of the mastermind, but you guys, I actually was on James' podcast. So it's super exciting to like flip the script and be able to ask the questions and share him with you. So I'm so grateful you're here with us today. And I always love to open this up with when when we like open up the the conversation, I'm not, not asking the, what do you do question? Because mm-hmm. I've been talking about this a little bit. I'm almost like mildly, mildly offended by that question now, because I really want to know like who you are in, in the essence of you. And I know who you are, but I want to share that with the world. So can you just share that with us? You know, it's so interesting because I've recently been deep diving on myself to try to answer that question because had you asked me that a couple weeks ago i i may not have given you an appropriate response and i think the reason we ask so much of what do you do 
you know, I mean, we all the time at networking events or, or meetups or masterminds, what do you do? You know, as if our identity is exclusively tied to the work that we do. And I think as entrepreneurs, which most of us might might be, we might think that on the surface, but that's that's only given a facet of of who we are. And I'm coming out of the back end of what can only be described as this existential crisis of trying to analyze who I was. And I was trying to find this perfect answer to it. I'm like, who am I? What represents me? And I kept getting hung up on the word authentic. I'm like, am I being authentic? You know, I mean, because I've I, I have played so many roles throughout, I, I almost said career, throughout my life, um, from coach to, to photographer, to uh, uh, speaker, to podcaster, to journalist, and, and what are, what's the unifying connection? And so I was recently, I, I was working in Palm Springs, and I had some free time to myself without a screaming child in my ear. And so I sat down, I started just to kind of word dump all these adjectives um, that I thought defined who I was. And once I did that, I had this big page filled with all these, all these words. And I tried to see, is there, is there a connecting thread between them? And the connecting thread that I found was teacher. And if I were to sum up, not just the work I do, but who I am and who I want to be, it is that of a teacher. Now that makes me think, do you think that the impact of that realization has anything to do with the recent arrival of your beautiful, beautiful baby? 100%. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what, there was so much in our world that precipitated pause, uh, uh, created space, whether we wanted it or not, uh, and, and forced reflection. Uh, whether whether we thought we needed to or not, um, and as I'm coming out of the tail end of this this shift in our entire ecosystem, I have a child, and talk about a whirlwind of emotion and and uh, you know I'll be blunt with you, just sheer fear of I hope to everything I do not screw this one thing up if I don't do if I do anything. Just don't screw this one thing up, uh, being being a father. Um, and that was part of this, this analysis on myself is now that I am a father, um, the roles that I wish to play as a father. And so, yeah, being, being a new parent for the first time uh, has, has definitely brought this idea of, of being a teacher to the forefront of my mind. Oh, I love, I love that. You know, kind of wish they would give you a rule book when they came out right they weren't they supposed to come with a manual <laughs> like, something right where is it? <laughs> we spent i i went through so many classes teaching me how to get through the delivery and i you know delivery like what what is the dad to do uh but you know everything the the coaching the breathing the meditations the you know knowing what the effacement value is all the lessons i learned until we walked out of the hospital and we had this screaming little cherub in our arms and we're like now what and there was there was there was no education on now what everything taught us to get to that point and then they kind of thrown out to the to the wolves at that point to figure it out i i love that and and children are our 
our mirrors, babies, especially too. Wow. So as you're coming into understanding and grasping that that's really who you are, your essence, you received the most amazing teacher ever, which is a child. Hmm. I don't know. He's pretty dumb. I, I hope he doesn't <laughs> listen to this. I mean, he, he can't even talk yet. He's, you know, he poops himself all day long. It's he's not, he's not the brightest human being yet. He still has time though. I'll give him like, I'll give him a few years to no, but you're, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, shooting holes and making fun. It's I've learned so much about myself in the last three months of his life. Um, that, that I never, maybe I never wanted to learn part partially. Um, but also because you learn a lot about limitations and you learn a lot about your triggers and, and what your barriers are. Um, and I've had to confront a lot of my own childhood now by being a father uh, that I never, maybe I never imagined I would have to, or I completely forgot that I had to. Oh my gosh. It's just so, so true. Uh, I'm just like thinking back on my, my first intro into this, this foray was mm-hmm. many, many, many years ago. So you're, you got, you're a pro on this. You got like what, 18 years of a oh jumpstart on me on this. 22. Mm. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible. That's amazing. <laughs> I, know, I love that. The, I think we were just like the last time we were on a call, you said something about like maybe I was like 33 or something. And I was like, you know, I have a 22 year old. That would have made me like, <laughs> what is my math? Like, I don't know, 16. I don't know. It would have been 16. I would have been way younger than that. I don't even know the math on it, but I would have been very, very small. <laughs> No, I'm not judging. I mean, I took it as a compliment, but good. All right. So well, I digress. We're not, this isn't about me. This is not about me. This is about you really stepping into and like really claiming this place and space as a teacher. So that makes me very curious about the things that you do teach that were really, what it, what is it that lights you up to teach? I don't know if it's topical as much as it is seeing the eyes light up when someone gets it. And maybe it is, maybe there is a little bit of, of specificity um, in, in the topics. I remember the first time I was asked to teach anything, I was in college and I was asked to teach a class how to edit photos because I was already working as a photographer when I was in college. And, and I had this professor who says, I want you to teach my class on how you edit photos. And I was so terrified to do this that, I mean, and Corey, you've seen me speak on stage in front of 500 people. Um, I was so terrified this first time I literally hid behind the computer so that they, the only part they saw of me was like the top of my head above the computer monitor. And I just did my Photoshop demonstration as monotoned as I could and just prayed that, that no one would say, well, wait, I know a better way or that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> just terrified of my fellow, because I was in college at the time, just terrified of my fellow students uh, just making a mockery of me. Um, so it's just interesting that yeah, I've been doing this for, you know, as long as I have just to see that, that evolution, but, you know, helping someone see a path 
that to me seems so clear because I have the gift of um, being a third party and I'm not, you know, objectivity. I don't, I'm not in the thick of it. So like I'm working with you in your trajectory, you're in the thick of it. You're in the present tense. You don't see the bird's eye view um, until you've learned to see the bird's eye view, but I can being on the outside looking in and to help you see those pieces and connect those dots. And then all of a sudden you get it as if it's been there all along because it has been there all along. And that's the really cool thing about, about kind of shedding light into what, what people are working on. And that's been, you know, I've worked with coaching health and wellness entrepreneurs. I've worked on coaching photographers in, in the growth of an artist and the growth of their careers. Um, but it's about just kind of seeing that big picture and then helping them see the next step in front of them. It is so, so magical. So essentially you really help people collapse time in, in their life and their business, all the things. So to make sense of when I, when I fast forward and ask you like the question after this, we, we have to talk a little bit about really what you do. It is an important piece, although it's not necessarily the thing that defines us. So I, You've had many big accomplishments along along the way. So let's give a little snapshot from when you started out as a photographer, a journalist, and then fast forward to what it is exactly you are bringing to the world today. So there have been a few different job titles that I homogenized later in my career. It started as a writer. I was a journalist, uh, evolved into photojournalism, which evolved into editorial photography. I took a sidestep as I graduated college. I worked in marketing for the better part of a decade. Um, and and the, the connecting piece between all these is they're all telling different types of stories, whether it's a written story, a visual story, or a, a story or a narrative done through a marketing message. Every one of it is telling a story. And as I really move forward in my career after that, it was about how I craft and share stories, whether it's writing articles for magazines, speaking on stage, coaching someone to tell their own story, uh, creating a visual narrative with, with an image, or teaching someone how to build the marketing or advertising campaign to, to share their own narrative. All of it comes back to telling a story and just having different mediums in which to tell those stories. So that's you know, 25 years and 20 seconds. That's pretty good. <laughs> you got your whole story in there. I love it. So I want to share one thing is that part of something that I had received from you as a teacher, that was a super expander moment. That's been something I've carried with me in the work that I do is that you told a story about you, how you persistently were sending, it was photos, right? To to an editor mm -hmm. and it came full circle because at some point you were on a call or you've received a picture. I can't remember the specific details, but your picture that you, uh, you had been sending was kind of like in, in the background, which was proof that all of your efforts had not gone unseen, unheard, even though you hadn't necessarily received um, word that it was someone was watching, paying attention, and it came full circle for you, which was a moment for me is like, you don't, all of your efforts, they're not for in vain, and you have to keep trying and, you know, putting yourself out there. And oftentimes, it takes multiple times of doing something even to the same person for them to even see it and hear it. But in addition, that 
you have to, I mean, there's like a patience that, that comes along with that. And if you give up after the first time that, and assume that people aren't paying attention or watch watching, or that you're the thing that you're sharing is unimportant, that you will obviously miss out on a lot of opportunities in life. So I walked away from you sharing that story amongst many, many other gems that you have shared with me, but that was one that really, really stuck out with me that I feel like was wanted to share with you and with everyone. Thank you for remembering that. It's, I think when we think of the word labor in, in the context of work, we think physical labor. We think how tired we might be by the end of a long work shift. But the, the labor that we do requires an emotional investment. And I think that part gets overlooked a lot because of the, how taxing and how depleting the emotional investment of what we do can be. And we talk about it when we're too afraid to do something. We talk about that fear, right? But what about when we actually do the thing and the thing doesn't go as we thought it would and how we have to sit with ourselves after that and what that feels like and how defeating it can be and how depleting it can be and how exhausting can be. And, you know, the, the story you mentioned, I was pitching to a magazine and I was sending off postcards of my work every month for, it was like nine months. And I heard nothing from this magazine. How could we not get in our own head at that point? Nine months of pitching to one client and not a word back, not a single syllable back. And you're going to get in your head to assume, I don't have what it takes. It's not good enough. I need to stay, you, you, you'll minimize. I need to stay in my lane. I need to, you know, at the time, you know, this was a big national client I was pitching. Maybe I just need to stick to local. Maybe that's all I can do, right? And it's so simple to allow ourselves to do that. But the true emotional labor that I think we have to endure is that, is that pain, is that silence, or that even if it's rejection, in this case, it wasn't rejection, it was just silence, but it might as well have been rejection. It was worse than rejection. It's like, I'm not even good enough to get turned down. They just don't want, and I eventually saw a photo of the, the person from this magazine. They were working at their office and there was something tacked to the wall behind them. And it happened to be one of my postcards. In fact, it was the first postcard I sent them nine months earlier. So for nine months, I am destroying myself emotionally, thinking I don't have what it takes because I've not heard a word from this client. But for nine months, they've had my postcard on their wall. For nine months, that person saw my work every day they went into the office. But we develop this story within our minds of how we cannot achieve that. And what I'm saying is, the real work we do is to overcome that. Because once I was able to see that, then I was like, well, I'm just going to send out a 10th postcard, and an 11th, and a 12th. And it was shortly thereafter, I was being hired by this client. But thank whoever for showing me that image that I came across. Because had I not seen that, I might not have set that 10th. And then they never would have hired me because I just would have been stuck in that identity that I didn't have what it took to get that client. It's such a great lesson and such a great story. I love to hear you tell it over and over again because it's, it's like, it's so powerful and it's so true. And I feel like it's so applicable to today's 
scenario of like on Instagram, right? We so oftentimes, if you're not getting the like, you're not getting the comment, you don't think anyone is watching, but there are people watching, which is why it's so important to keep showing up and showing up and showing up. And eventually someone is going to respond. Someone is going to buy your thing or acknowledge you for your work. So I feel like that's such a valuable, valuable lesson. Well, it's like, let's take Instagram likes because it's such a perfect example. You know, I mean, we're so pissed off at the algorithm. Um, I post only got 100 likes. Normally I get 500 likes. This sucks. I'm I'm only getting 20% of the engagement. The fuck? You had 100 people engage with your content. That is 100 people who took even a fraction of a second to say, I'm paying attention to you. You need to honor that. You need to respect that. You need to engage back with that. Those are people who are in your ecosystem who just raised their hand at you and said, hey, I'm still here and I'm paying attention. I like what you just put out. That right there is a gift and we should honor that. Oh my, yeah, it's so true too, because so often you see the likes and it's like, but did you go respond to those people? <laughs> and if you had a thousand likes, would you actually have the energetic capacity to go respond to all thousand of them, which is what the idea is within the, how the algorithm works and how we're supposed to, or we should be, could be, we have the opportunity to, we get to engage with our audience and really forge relationships. So I, such a powerful lesson. I have a question for you. Have you joined the super expander free mentorship community? If not, what are you waiting for? Stop what you're doing right now and text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. Text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. I send out weekly tips and inspiration to help you grow your business, to step into your wealthiest, most highest self, to harness your full potential and live an exceptional and extraordinary life. And the best part is it's really me sending those messages. So text me, say hello, and send me your questions. So you have had some, you've had your work on the cover of very, very prestigious magazines, ones that are sitting in people's homes right now, for sure, that they have read, they've spent time reading on airplanes and spent time looking at your work. And they, so you've done big, big things and you've worked with big clients, big name clients. And so I'm imagining over the years, you have had some people who've been super expanders for you. And I'd love to hear about that, who they are, who they've been, the stories behind that, who's inspired the greatness in you. So I think back to when I was in college, I, I was floundering around a lot of it not a little bit. And I, the best I can really describe it without being too melodramatic is I was finding my own rock bottom pretty quick. And I didn't really have any aspirations. I didn't have any really motivation or momentum. I was meandering at best. I dropped out of university. I was fooling around in community college, taking whatever seemed slightly curious at the time. Um, and at some point I was like, you know, I just need to, I just need to graduate. I need to get this together. So I remember I went to my 
guidance counselor at the community college, I'm like, what do I need to do to graduate community college? And she says, well, you did already. And I said, really? She said, yeah, you have two degrees. Okay. Now what? She said, well, transfer to the university and get your, you know, because they were associates, get your bachelor's. Okay, I'll go to the university. I'll get my bachelor's. And really, I just want to keep my head down and stay out of trouble. And I ended up uh, my first semester back at university meeting this professor who can only be described as this cantankerous old uh, man. He was kind of hobbled with diabetes and, you know, kind of... He was so tenured that they couldn't get rid of him. And everyone took his classes because he was considered to be an easy A for upper division credit. Uh, and he, he ran the, uh, the photojournalism program at the university. And I took his classes and I ended up signing on to work at a newspaper that he uh, managed. And I signed on as a reporter because I wasn't really a photographer at this point. I, I, I had taken a few photos, but nothing of, of any note. And he saw enough in my work to say, mm, I'm taking you out of the reporter pool and I'm going to put you in the photography pool. And I said, all right, fine. Now, this is the first time I really think anyone's ever taken a chance on me like that. And I overlooked it a little bit. My first issue shooting for his newspaper, I shot this image that ended up on the front page of the paper. And I remember at the postmortem, which is something that uh, magazines and newspapers do after an issue comes out where you kind of dissect the issue and talk about what went well, what could be improved upon in the next issue. At the postmortem, you know, he, as a publisher, he held up the newspaper and he said, page one photo, James Patrick, excellent photo, James, excellent photo. I had never gotten any recognition on my photo work before. I, I wasn't, wasn't really an investment of mine at the time. The only reason I was really doing it is because it was a paycheck and he asked me to do it. And I just felt, all right, fine. I'll be a photographer. I guess I won't write articles anymore. Um, the very next issue, I went out and shot a photo. It ended up on, I think, page B7. So section B, page seven. Um, wasn't a good photo. Once again, uh, postmortem comes around. Uh, he holds up my photo again. I'm like, here we go again. It says, uh, B7 photo, James Patrick. It's a terrible photo, James. Terrible photo. That's when I realized it can go both ways. That I have to work to earn the respect. And I could lose that respect. And he became a, a mentor of mine uh, the rest of the time I was at college. And... Um, had it not been for him, I would not be a photographer. I, I never would have pursued photography. He's the one who, he gave me that opportunity. Uh, you know, a few issues later, I became the photo editor of that newspaper. Then he helped me become the photo editor at a startup magazine. Um, right before I graduated college, uh, he called me into his office and he said, uh, I need your resume. I said, what for? He said, doesn't matter. Uh, I got this interview at this marketing company uh, where I worked for almost the next decade because he called the person and says, you need to hire this guy. Uh, I ended up becoming his paid uh, adjunct professor and teaching his classes for him. Um, so had it not been for him, never would have gone to public speaking, never would have gone to teaching, never would have gone to marketing. And I watched this individual do similar things for so many of his students, and he would provide these career-altering just 
transformation and, and opportunities. And most of them had no idea. They had no clue that it was their crazy professor who knew everyone, was connected to everything, pulling the strings behind the scenes. Call up his friend who's a photo of the LA Times, says, you need to hire my student. That student gets a job at the LA Times having no idea, no clue how their portfolio was even found. Oh my gosh. Uh, that gives me chills. What, a, what an awesome guy. Mm-hmm. So that's when I think of super expanders, I mean, everything I do to this day, even how I identify as a teacher, um, you know, he passed a handful of years ago, um, which was a very difficult event for me because, you know, the number of times you want to, I don't have regrets, really, mainly, uh, except maybe this one, because the number of times I sat with him and wanted just to say thank you, but didn't, because we would just talk about something else. And, you know, I didn't want to be too melodramatic or any bullshit reason. Um, but after he passed, I, I, you know, I, I would have these reoccurring dreams where he was a, a, uh, a character in these dreams. Now, what's so weird about this is the location of these dreams always change. Uh, you know, sometimes we're back in the classroom. Sometimes we're at this, you know, this big conference. Sometimes we're, uh, one time we were in like this building rooftop and I'm sitting in this group of people in the back of the room. I'm always in the back of the room, almost hiding, right? And his voice calls out to me in the back of the room and says, James, get on up here. You need to take over. I've had that dream maybe seven or eight times since, since uh, in the last three years since he's passed. Um, and so, like, even though, you know, he's not with us anymore, those words, you need to get up here, still echo constantly in my brain. And it's this reminder to me that it's so easy for us to hide behind our work. You know, I mean, a photographer, I, I'm behind the camera. I'm not in front of the camera. You know, you're, you're a podcaster. You're behind the microphone. You're not in front of the microphone. You know, you're, you're, you're a coach. It's your client success. It's not what you're doing. And it's a reminder that sometimes we need to turn the thing around on us put the light on us, put the microphone on us, put the camera on us, whatever it might be, um, and to stop hiding. Wow. So, so good. Yeah, he taught you some other lessons too in there because I heard it. It's making sure that you you say things to the people, like what's on your heart, like expressing really how you feel, your gratitude, your love, your appreciation for people, especially when they're the people who are are doing things for us kind of behind the scenes, which we all have an awareness of that, but tend to, especially I think when we're trying to build something, when we're trying to make it about us, our business being about us, when people afford us opportunities, oftentimes we either will think that that we like, like almost like we had them coming. Like we were, it was our right to have been given that opportunity when there's a million other people out there that it could have been directed towards. But when someone fosters that for you to really make sure that you acknowledge them because it's a gift. I mean, they did it as a gift for you, but also receiving the thank you or the appreciation 
is oftentimes like that's the biggest gift for the, for that person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it is. Ah, so good. I love, love, love that story. Mm. I'm sure you have like a million other ones that we could sit here and talk about all day, but I know you, you, you have a, a baby to get home to. So I can't, I can't hog all of your time. Mm, just some of it. <laughs> just You're some allowed. of it. You're allowed. <laughs> just some of it. I mean, and I, and I owe you a trip out there to, to babysit because I promised I would do that. So I'm know, still waiting. You guys, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of calm and you guys Between the hours of four and nine every night. You're in. Yes. Yeah, I'll <laughs> tag you in. <laughs> So fast forward, let's just like fast forward out and to a year from now, what is the, your, your guiding feeling? What is it that you want to feel at this time next year, 12 months from now? Like what's your North star? I was reflecting back on, I've had this log that I set all my goals with and I've had the same log. It's in the same Excel file. It's now 11 years old. And I just add a new tab to the Excel file for every year that I'm, I'm kind of building out my plan for the year. And as I was reflecting back, you know, kind of also going through the aforementioned identity crisis and tr- questioning who am I and what do I do and what value do I give to others Uh, I wanted to look back to see, well, how have I evolved since I started this, uh, this little uh, tracking journey? And I realized something that uh, was both um, enlightening and maybe a little alarming at the same time, which is I never really set goals for uh, happiness, Uh, that my goals were myopically focused on business or personal development. Uh, You know, I have to lose this amount of weight this year, or I have to write this number of articles that get published this year. I have to shoot this many magazine covers this year, or I have to get this many podcast downloads this year. I have to sell this many passes to my conference this year. I have to get this many mastermind members this year. I have to hit this financial metric this year. And it's very rare I, I don't achieve my goals. And it's not because I set easy to achieve goals. Uh, it's because I can be very aggressive and focused in the, in the uh, achievement of these goals. But what I noticed is, is I would feel often the same before and after achieving a lot of these goals. So let's take, you know, when I left my corporate job and I launched my photography career, I would say, you know, if I match my income, that's my goal. I did that in six months. Okay. I'll double my income. Did that another six months. Double that. Did that the next year. Okay. What if I did something crazy? What if I shot 50 printed magazine covers in a single year? Got 55. Felt the same. And what I realized is that I was setting these goals and not that they were hollow goals, but that the achievement of the goals cannot and should not and will not ever be tied to fulfillment or happiness. That that is instead a choice. And I had not been choosing that. Not that I was choosing depression or anger or anything like that. I was just choosing this constant quest of 
acclamation and achievement, but never really validating why or what this meant or, or what was its place within my journey. So, you know, going back to really this, this kind of revelation that I'm still in the process of experiencing and, and, and kind of downloading, um, where I want this to go is I want to honor that fulfillment and that happiness in the present and stop the assumption that it is one more achievement away because I don't want my son to constantly question where the presence of his father is because his father's off chasing something that is not going to yield the result he wants. Instead, I want to honor that time to, to, to be with him and to enjoy with him and to teach him and to guide him to find what it is that, that lights him up. So I really think that's the, that is the future that I would like to start moving towards. That's so good. So then that makes me want to ask another question. Have you thought about how it is that you get to in your, in the moments and in the days that like, what's the question you need to ask yourself on the multiple times a day when you are choosing the things or the time or the, the actions that you're doing? Like the, I feel like there's like a, you know, a series of questions to have in your back pocket to be like, am I choosing happiness? Am I mm -hmm. like that we have to kind of train ourselves so that we don't keep saying that that's what we want in the future. Mm -hmm. God, that is such a good question. And now that's, that is what I have to ponder because you're right. We do need some anchor that, that reminds us why we're making the decision we're making. Um, you know, I, I can give a, an example of, you know, the wrong thing. You know, I go home early from work and I bring some work home with me. And my assumption is awesome time to dive into it tonight, you know, maybe while he's napping or, you know, while he's feeding something like that, I can review this paperwork and I'm there and he's upset or he's not eating or he's cranky or gassy or whatever. Anyway, I'm not able to get to the work. And I start to put this stress on myself. I'm like, damn it. Gotta get to this. Gotta get this shit done. And this kid's losing his mind. That'd be the wrong example of it, right? Not that we enjoy our kids losing their mind, but the idea that I should have anything else pulling my attention or my energy from just being present with them in that moment, that is the problem right there. And so to have those reminders or, or those anchors that kind of pull us back into that present, and maybe that is a, a question that we ask ourselves, like, is this the present that you wanted to be in? Is this, is this the, you know, is, was this where you wanted to be? Because if the answer is yes, like I wanted to be home, I left work early to be home. Why am I allowing my brain to go somewhere else? Yeah. I don't know. And funny thing too, is I wonder if you notice if this is already in practice that his demeanor and energy changes because babies 
and children, oh my gosh, they pick up on all of that stuff. Like you can't believe. And so your mind is like, I got to get to this thing. And the baby's like sensing it. And they're like, Mm-mm-mm. yeah, good luck, old man. <laughs> good luck. Let me work Don't on a number know? two for you. Don't you know I run the show? <laughs> I'll keep you here all night, old man. That's what he says to me. <laughs> With the cutest little face. Yeah, he's like, I could go to sleep. I'm not going to. I'm going to throw a tantrum till 11 o'clock tonight just because, you know what? I didn't like the look you gave me when you changed my last diaper. I know him. <laughs> a little, little jackass. Oh my God. But adorable. <laughs> the cutest. Oh my but God. adorable. Yeah, he's, it's funny because he, he's learned at a very early age. I mean, he's three months, but the kid is trying to talk a lot. And he, well, he, I, I can only assume he thinks he is talking because he just has full on conversations with himself that don't make just a lick of fucking sense. Uh, but he just babbles constantly and is so entertaining to watch because he just, I don't know who he's talking to, but maybe himself. And he just, he doesn't care. He just has this conversation with himself, not making a single word, but just kind of a mashup of syllables. And it is delightfully entertaining. Oh, I can't wait to meet him in person. Oh, <laughs> yes, get out here. I'd love for you to meet him. He's he's is as annoying as I make him sound. He is actually very cuddly and very sweet. Of course, he is. I see all your pictures. Oh my gosh! Uh, so I love your introspection, the feeling that you you're moving towards, working towards, striving for every day. I think it's it's such a a powerful thing. And in all of this, you know, so this this whole idea and mission behind this podcast is to help expand other people. And one of the ways I really truly believe is to share the lessons that we have experienced. So if you were going to go back and give yourself your younger self one one juicy nugget of inspir not inspiration but intelligence of advice, what would it be? You know, probably be to stop hiding. I think that a lot of, you know, it, it, very similar to the dreams I talked about, um, you know, I, I, so much of my own career, despite accolades and awards and all, you know, kind of all that ancillary crap, it's, it's just, it was still just the work and I could, I could hide behind even an identity of who I was in the public face. Like, you know, the, you know, if, if people went to like the early fitposiums, the James that was on stage, I don't know how authentic that was to me. Like early podcasts I did, I don't know how authentic that was to me. It was, it was, it was a facet, but it was more a, a role that I was playing. And I, and I really believe that, you know, the last few years have allowed myself and so many to, to start to kind of peel back those layers a little bit and feel so much more comfortable displaying who we actually are and when we do that i think we create a deeper resonance with the people who need us the most oh yeah so true right it's that whole idea of when you show up authentically there's you might put, like alienate some people but the people who really really need to hear you the people who are your like your people those they're going to be magnetized in they're going to listen they're going to turn the volume up all the things they're showing up as yourself is so important. And oh my gosh, how much more energy do you have when you're not wasting doing the stuff that isn't really you? 
it's a scary thing. Like I'll, I'll, I'll honor that as someone who's been terrified of it myself. Like, and then also it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like screws with your mind a little bit. Cause you're like, well, how do I know if I'm being authentic? What does that actually mean? And I I've yet to actually define it appropriately. Um, but I think it's, it's dropping so much of the facade and the posturing of what we feel we have to do to be, to receive acceptance or, or to, or to, to receive external validation. And once we start to strip some of that away, that undefined authenticity starts to peek out a little bit and you start to notice it a little bit more. And then you start to honor it even further. Yeah. You start cultivating it. So good. Ah, I could just sit here and riff with you all day. Me too. You're fun. <laughs> so you have a lot of things that you are working on a lot. The magazine icon refined, you have the podcast studio, so many different hats and businesses. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Where can they find you? What's the, what's your preferred way? Should they slide into the DMs or is like, what's, how do you, how do you like it? Yeah. I mean, they can, but they might get my assistant. Um, you know, I mean, you, they can connect with me on Instagram at jpatrickphoto, um, but I'm really bad at DMs. Um, Look at that if, authenticity right there, guys. Yeah, I, I hate it. <laughs> it's, okay. you know, it's, it's a stress thing, like, because I'm the type of person who reads a message and I don't respond right away because I have to think of the perfect response. And then like three days go by because I don't check my DMs that often. I realize shit, I didn't respond to that person. Then I beat myself up for another three days, trying to think of an even better response now. Um, so if they want to get in touch with me, yeah, you can do DMs. I, I, I hopefully won't be that bad, but actually they could just text me. Um, I respond to text right away. Uh, and my number is 480-605-3254. If you have marketing, sales, business development, publicity questions, I answer them all. Um, it's not something I charge for. It's just a way to stay connected to people. Uh, so good. And I'll make sure that's in the show notes so that they can refer back to it as well. Sure. Awesome. Thank you. So it's time to land the plane to let you get home to your beautiful, beautiful baby. So I want to just thank you so, so much for carving out the time to chat today. I know you have a packed schedule, so I do not take it lightly that you shared our most unrenewable resource. You shared time with me, shared your wisdom. So thank you. Mm, no, the, the thanks goes the other way. And there's there's very few things that I would consider to be as replenishing as conversations with you, uh, but they always are. And I know how long you've been you've been really cultivating this, this inspiration behind this show. And, you know, I've, I've said this to you before, this is so long overdue. I'm so proud of you for launching it. And I'm so excited for your audience because your audience deserves to learn from you. They deserve to hear from you and they deserve to have you as a guide on these journeys as you're sharing all of your guest stories and all their narratives. I think it's such a phenomenal launch that you've created and just sincerely proud of you and just honored that I could be a part of it. Oh my gosh, if you guys could see me right now, I'm like bright red. A couple of tears are coming right into my eyes for, for real. Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you so much for just being the mentor, the friend, the amazing human that you are. Appreciate you. 
I will catch you on the next episode. If you like what you heard, stop, drop, and leave a five-star review and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. As always, the best way that you can thank our amazing guests is to share your biggest takeaway and then tag us on social media. 